One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice Show, Building the Collective Conscious, a show that's created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and yay debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. And I'm DT, and I don't have any audio in my headphones. Well, I hear you. You sound good, man. Oh, okay. Is that it? Is that, baby, it? y'all think I'm in this thing. <laughs> Mike, what's up, man? I mean, oh, I, I man. I can you now. It's, it's, been, it's been a little bit, man. <laughs> I mean, we, we took a little break, and um, but now we're back. They didn't right? know that. Are we back? We're back. We're we back. back. We're back. We got audio. Got my good man across from you, man. Oh, man. it's uh, been, been a little down with the weather and everything. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just recovering. You probably can hear it in my voice. But, um, still you know. Still sounds smooth. Man. man, I appreciate it, man. I'm back I mean, I'm back anything, up in the saddle. You sound like me now. So you- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty smooth. And I didn't, I didn't step sickness and brought me up to another level. Hey, but, you know, I was down in uh, South Carolina, man, Charleston, mm. uh, just recently. And uh, spent a few days, man. I love Charleston. Uh, you know, I love being by the water. Of course, mm-hmm. man, I had as much fish as I could possibly. You know, just about every meal I tried to have right. fish, you know. Uh, but I had a chance to um, to go by and see the spot where uh, Walter Scott was uh, was killed, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember Walter Scott, the uh, young man that uh, I believe it was at the Auto Zone where he was pulled over and he ran and and he was in this. Uh, it's kind of a eh, it's a grassy place, kind of fenced in, and and uh, he was running from the officer and the officer shot him, I think, mm-hmm. six or seven times. And just recently, um, there was a hung jury on that. Um, and, uh, and now I guess the officer is trying to take a plea deal from what I understand, but it was, it was, it was, it was eerie, eerie being there, man. That was the word I was, I was uh, going to use to describe it. Man, being in a place where death had taken place, it was deep, man. I, um, just standing there and realizing that here was a man that was, uh, running for his life and, uh, and lost, lost it. it anyway. Um, which was sad. And I also had a chance to go by uh, uh, Mother Manuel, uh, AME Church, the one where Dylan Ruth uh, mm-hmm. walked in and attended Bible study and killed those uh, congregants. Uh, uh, man, it was, <laughs> that was another scene, man, uh, of multiple deaths. And while I was down there, there was a news report that somebody had thrown a rock through uh, one of the stained glass windows at uh, Mother Emanuel. And, um, just during the time when you were visiting? Just during the time I was visiting. <laughs> yeah. Drama, drama not stopping yet. You know, man, hate is everywhere, man. And um, I don't know if you saw the, the, the picture that I posted on uh, Facebook of the guy with the, um, with the Confederate flag on his tailgate. <laughs> And uh, that got some uh, some some folks. Were you attention. still here in Oklahoma? Yeah, I was here in Oklahoma, man. I was just I was just riding, and all of a sudden, man, this dude just passed me, man. I was like, 
Man, really? Is this Dukes of Hazards? Or? Did you hear some music? <laughs> oh no, man! I mean, <laughs> get your slingshot. <laughs> man, it was uh, it was crazy, man. And so I took a picture of it. And I just put a day in Oklahoma, man. Just put it up there. Um, but uh, you know, uh, want to get to this, uh, f- folks? We we have a dynamic guest in uh, our studio uh, today with us. Uh, Moses Dupre, he's here with us. We're going to bring him on in a minute. He is a, a biblical scholar as well as a philosopher. And, you know, when me and Moses talk, man, I mean, it's, you know, because I, I kind of consider myself maybe a pseudo philosopher. So anytime we get together and talk, man, you know, it, you know, hours pass, you know, we, 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 we've talked about everything. But uh, you guys are probably <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to assume. But you guys are probably uh, in the company of, of two very good um, cigars. Oh, oh, yeah. You, you, you know that now. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The conversation <laughs> can't start without the cigars. <laughs> but he's going to be joining us for the show, folks. Uh, it's exciting. But but 45ing down the road. Here we go. Here we go. 45ing down the road. 45ing down the road. helmet. Get your helmet. Put on your seat. Bro. Something's about to happen. Nothing happening. Are we not? We not on the road, man. I thought we was on the road. Richard, did you forget the? the man, well, see, that's what I'm trying oh. to say. <laughs> We've been that's, gone too long, Mike. That's see, see. Th- some of our, some of our, <laughs> some of our uh, luxuries have been pulled from the table. For yeah, see, that's what happens, reason. man. That's what happens. You take a couple of weeks off. And they just forget all about you, man. You 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 know you gotta you gotta show here, man. You know one mic, one voice. You know we still here, some rich. That's all I'm saying. But listen, hot off the press, forty five. Yes, hey, that's more like. Yeah, that's more like. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute though. I was in the car, Richard. You're just gonna crash it like that? Hey, you jumped out, bro. We okay, good, out. good. Yeah, I'm we safe. Jumped. You safe? All right, <laughs> forty five. Um, just fired FBI Director James Comey. Now, we know that Comey, I think last week it was, testified um, a week and a half ago. Um, <laughs> man, and you know what's so funny about this is that, you know, a lot of people believe that the release of Comey's not only letter but testimony is what put a coffin in and uh, Hillary's bid for the White House. So he was loyal to Trump. Matter of fact, he was saying that, you know, he supported Trump. Uh, matter of fact, they said his home had a Trump. Uh, see, I'm saying, man, I need to, how much I need to put in the, in the, in the jar? Yeah, you always. He supported 45. And they say that he had a 45-yard sign for president. And but But this is what we need to understand. There is no loyalty with this guy. There's no loyalty. Uh, Michael Flynn, um, now uh, Comey. Um, when you when when you get on his the wrong side, he's gonna throw you away like a piece of trash. Okay, um, you're dispensable. You're dispensable. I guess all of us are dispensable in his eyes. But man, so 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 just think about all the turmoil. That we've had in 100 plus days. I mean, what 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 has been accomplished, right? I mean, the immigration bill was a joke. 
Um, I mean, his his uh, ban uh, for not the immigration bill, but his ban for uh, people coming in the country uh, was shot down multiple times. Right uh, now, this this the health care thing. I mean, you know, folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Health care is beyond partisanship. When you are sick or your loved one is sick, we shouldn't be playing games. If you are sick and you are in this country, you should have access to health care. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. I don't care what the color of your skin may be. You should be able to see a doctor. Let me tell you something. What the House has put forward, folks, Y'all, may, y'all might might want to continue to play those partisan games, but I tell you what, when you lose your health care, if somebody just told me today, um, her and her husband had to go to the emergency room, it ended up, they had to go twice. Even with insurance, they end up having to pay $3,000. Mm. Without insurance, it would have been fifty. dollars Let me tell you something. This thing could ruin you and your future. Don't let 45 and these clowns play with this. You need to get active. You need to get involved. Folks, we have a great show. Man, we got an amazing show today. D, is it amazing? It's amazing. It's amazing. I it's, mean, now that we, we're off, are, we, are we off the 45 track or no, you can, back onto a safe you, street? You can. Right, can I pull out my Lamborghini? Yeah, yeah, pull it out. Okay, tops off, baby. <laughs> we out of here. <laughs> You know, I'm going to say our title today is Every Hero Needs a Villain. And uh, we're going to talk about this thing called labeling and how it affects uh, not just our society, but the worldwide. Uh, Folks, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Brother Moses here. Uh, He's hanging with us today. I looked over there. He got a special mix, too. Just a little bit, though. Just a little bit, though. Yeah, he Not conservative. He's a conservative, bro. Because he's a philosopher. Right. You he got to keep his mind clean. Got to be clear of mind, clear see, of that's, heart. He got he to do that. He, he a purist. You see what I'm saying? He, he got to be that way. He can't be like me. You know, I'm all messed up. Moses right, also right? wearing a 24-karat gold T-shirt, just to let everybody know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think wow. Maybe in the after wow. party. Maybe in the afterlife for me. Yeah. <laughs> in the afterlife. <laughs> well, folks, hang in there. We Listen, we want to hear your... We want to hear you participate in the show. Um, Hang in there. We will be right back. Hi, this is Tiffany Hill, host of Authentic Conversations, a weekly motivational podcast where we discuss matters such as self-worth, relationships, parenting, professional development, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. You can find me on Facebook at Authentic Conversations by Tiffany Hill, on social media at TH underscore Authentic, and you can also subscribe to Authentic Conversations on iTunes and Podbeans, and the show is also available on blackinstudios.com. I look forward to connecting with you, and remember, to live authentically is the ultimate form of happiness. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. Welcome back, folks. Like I said, in the studio, we have Brother Moses Dupre here with us. 
Welcome, man, to One Mic, One Voice. It's about time. But we, <laughs> well, we've been playing this for, what, four years? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, man, tell, you know, we have an international audience, man, so uh, we know you. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, the great work that you're doing, how you're adding to the conversation. Talk a little bit for, about you for the people that don't necessarily know Moses. Well, I'm originally from Kentucky, so go Big Blue, right? Kentucky basketball is the only basketball that's worth watching. No, We're going to be in a serious no. argument. Y'all you know how I am about my— him before I, he started I, talking I, on That's what I'm intro, trying to right? say on the intro. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm in my right gear. But go ahead, brother. Um, but anyway, uh, I was in the Air Force. That's how I ended up in Oklahoma City up at Tinker. And then I got out, uh, finished school, got my bachelor's in religious studies, and then went to— can I do a plug? Is okay? Oh, yeah, you can yeah. do a plug. Uh, then went to St. Paul's School of Theology over there on uh, Oklahoma City University's okay. campus. Got my master's in um, uh, theological studies with the emphasis on the Hebrew Bible. So all my Jewish friends out there, shalom. All my Muslim friends, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, you know, just been um, applying to Ph.D. programs right now uh, around the country. So um, that's pretty much a short version of my life. And uh, so, uh, how did we meet? Oh, well, we actually met at the Jewish Film, I guess, Institute over at mm-hmm. the Paramount. Because, uh, what was it, from Nazism to Jim Crow? Was that yes, the title of the movie? Absolutely. So, just knowing, you know, Rabbi Harris and Rabbi Jacobson and uh, people at, over at Temple Benai Israel, mm-hmm. um, trying to do as much as I can with them when I can. It's really not a lot, but um, yeah. need to do more. But anyway, uh, I watched. Uh, uh, one movie over Temple Benai Israel about uh, the Palestinian and Israel relations between a group of people where they brought, you know, brought together a group of Palestinians and Israelis and they had like a little think tank. And then I saw a flyer for this movie. I was like, well, I gotta go check that out. So we went down there and uh, Rabbi Jacobson was down there and you was down there, but this is before we actually met. Yeah. And then one day I was up at uh you know, uh, ZT cigar smoking. You walked in, and I was like, "Hey, aren't you the? You're the guy down there at the uh, Film Institute." Uh, yes, yeah. sir. And yes, so, sir. like, so we we met and started talking, and absolutely, absolutely. And that's how we met. You know, isn't it funny how you just bump into Mike? <laughs> yeah, hey, you never know where you may be. He's everywhere, <laughs> man. Grocery store, dog park, <laughs> okay, uh, cigar shop, the dog park, man. The guy is everywhere, man. Oh, you crazy? My gosh, I seen him walking ten pools at once. <laughs> Boy, wow. I haven't seen him at the zoo yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's on his way there after yeah, here. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that was a program, actually, that was put on by the Ralph Ellison Foundation, yeah. uh, which I, you know, executive director of. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a great, great, great program. Um, you know, we, we want to talk about uh, in today's show this idea of, well, really, uh, we're using the labeling theory, right? And the theory can be, and we're going to talk about it in, in basically two ways, a primary and a secondary labeling. But basically, you know, in a in a layman's term, it is the way that we classify each other, right? And a lot of it has to do with deviant behavior, right? Mm. And so, um, you know, right off the jump, let's let's just kind of talk about just um, some how we classify each other throughout American history. So. Um, I would say we classify one another by race, right? He's black, he's 
white, he's, you know, he's uh, Asian. Uh, you know, we, we throw out these terms. But what else? I mean, what other labels? Economic uh, capability or? Rich, poor. poor. Religion. Religion, Christian. Classes. Jewish. Uh, you know. What uh, type of music you like. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, a rocker, mm. rapper. Okay, um, you know, there's this book that's, um, and you, uh, Moses, might be familiar with this book, and I think we even talked about it, uh, by Bernard Bernard Lewis, uh, this great uh, historian. Uh, and he wrote, uh, the title of the book is Multi-Identities of the Middle East. And he uses all, he breaks down all this labeling, <laughs> you know, because really at the core of labeling is division, right? It divides us, right? Categorize us, divides us. Um, for what purpose? I believe we're going to get into that. Well, uh, I would say that it has a lot to do with power and control, right? So if I'm a wealthy person, now I don't want to see, I don't want to turn over any of my money or even property because mm-hmm. then I'm giving somebody else you know, somebody else is tr- trying to get into my group. So now, not only are they trying to be like them, but I have a theory that when, so let's ex- take example like immigration and, mm-hmm. you know, Trump's, or 45, excuse me, don't cut off my yeah, mic. You, you gotta dr- don't you cut gotta off my a, mic. You got to drop a little money. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, I have a theory that when we allow people to be recognized on a, like one of us, oh, this person, this person's American citizen, I think in the psyche, let's say of white America, now they feel that since they're on equal f- footing, that somehow they're almost like uh, being classified with the with the let's say Latinos or Latinas or whatever. To, uh, it just uh, now I haven't seen any studies where you know you have that psychological, but I think it just mm-hmm. um, what's interesting. So within Judaism, you know Judaism learns a lot from the animal world, and we see all the little cute videos on YouTube and Facebook where like. You know, you have like a lion cub playing with a golden retriever mm-hmm. or a cheetah. <laughs> but you know, it's like at babies, mm-hmm. animals don't care. You know, they yeah. don't know the difference. Yeah. And yeah. I think kids are the same way. Absolutely. So like, you know, at daycare, you know, you might have a, a black kid playing with a toy. If the black kid starts crying, all the other kids start crying. Absolutely. Because they don't know any different. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's just interesting. It's I call it like, a, like almost like the in and out group. Right. So I'm part of this group. Right. I don't want anybody else joining my group yeah. unless they're like me. And so with, uh, you know, you have, uh, especially within Judaism, it's anti-Semitism. You know, one, even today you have uh, people say that the Jews were responsible for Jesus' death. That's America, America is a Christian nation. So just from the get go, there's always there's already this uh, misperceived conception about Judaism and the Jews even though it's, you know, it's been debunked for years and years. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see the rise of the uh, Christian right. Mm-hmm. In fact, I teach biblical Hebrew down at uh, Northwest Baptist Church on uh, on Wednesday nights, and I had a student there, and we was going over some of the Hebrew and talking about a couple of passages. And she says, it's, no, it's almost like, you know, the Jews are talking about Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but they just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Now, from a Jewish perspective, that's like, that's like really anti-Semitic. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to... Well, you know, just because you read interpret the Bible a certain way doesn't mean other people interpret it that way 
as well. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember, as I like to say, there's no right or wrong interpretation of the original Hebrew since that's what I study. Mm-hmm. But there are good and bad interpretations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that was a pretty bad interpretation. So we have this dynamic. I think it's more like um, I don't want people joining my group. Mm-hmm. And you know this 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 primary deviance, and we're going to look at a video here in just a second. But this primary labeling is associated with deviance. Because really, if I say to you, it's not the labels. Now, now, we really want to get rid of all labels because we're all one and we need each other, right? I mean, that's, this, that's kind of the backdrop to the truth behind all of this. However, but there might be some positive. I might say, man, yeah. DT is intelligent. That's not a bad label. Brother's handsome. Not a bad label, right? I mean, who wouldn't want that label? You know, hey, man, he, you know, he's strong. That's not a, that's not a, oh, she's, man, she's talented. That's not a bad label. But how about she's dumb, stupid, ugly, corny? Okay. I don't right. like her hairstyle. Yeah. I mean, that's that, or or what about, fashionable. but what about these things about um, criminal, right? Thug, mm-hmm. right? Uh, predator hoodlum okay so this primary laving deviance is therefore not a set of characteristics of individuals or groups it's not innate right but rather it is a process of interaction between deviance and non-deviance in the context in which criminality is being interpreted it is our response to the labeling our response to it and we're going to go to this video, but let me just give you, let me just toss out something here. Right. A lot of times when we see, um, let me give you an act, right? Oh, and this is what I was watching the professor, and he was talking about this, so this is not my, my analogy. But he gives this analogy of a, of a fight. So in school, if you have a fight, it's considered deviant behavior. Mm-hmm. But a fight on the football field. Is well, acceptable. I, I would just also suggest it depends who's doing the fight. So for oh, absolutely. De- if it's a white person, oh, they're just being rowdy. They're just being oh, absolutely. rowdy. Oh, absolutely. But if it's a minority, oh, they're thugs. Absolutely. They're, they're a gangster. So it's our reaction to the behavior which determines whether it's deviant or not. Uh, listen to this, uh, this audio here. Let's talk about the cops, because your brother is I have a, a brother who's a police officer. A brother who's yeah. a police officer, yeah. and, uh, and he's African-American? Yes. This is interesting, because, I mean, in the shootings we saw this week, yep. again, uh, we see a, a African-American police chief mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Uh, some, yeah. Sometimes some of the people who do the shooting are African-Americans. Yeah. It looks like when you wear blue, it's thicker than black. No, I mean the police. <laughs> oh, uh, you know... Um, I come from a very unique family situation. Our, my father is African American and Native American. My mother is Irish, Belgian, and German. But you're and Jamaican. I was adopted. <laughs> <laughs> I was adopted. I'm insisting. I'm Never insisting on that. I was adopted by a Finnish American family, a second Finnish. generation from Finland. Wow. And the, my mother had three kids of her own. Then she adopted myself and another African American son. I have one sister who's a lesbian, and I have a brother who's a wow. police officer. And this makes you me. <laughs> it makes me uniquely yeah. authorized to say that you know not all cops are bad people. No, not all black people are criminals. 
and not all white people are racist. But it seems like in the news, the way that it gets played out is you have to be on one side or the other, as if you can't have compassion for a mother whose son was shot by police and at the same time have well, compassion for cops who go to work every day and have to do one of the toughest jobs in the world. It is what... Okay, well... But it's, but it's not one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. They have stats on that. Okay. It's not in the top ten. Yeah. Things like fishermen, electrician, yeah. cab drivers, those daredevils. Yeah, but the fish don't have okay. open carry laws. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I understand. This... Look, I could never be a cop, and I admire that they can. But, look, you have to do it better. Uh, there, no doubt. I, I, and I say this in support that the, the shooting in Tulsa, the woman cop yeah. who shot the guy, now she is charged with manslaughter. I, I, I mean, she shouldn't have done that. But I must say, she is also a victim. She's a victim of bad police training. Police do not train the way they should. You know, if you're that nervous, you can't do this job. Yeah. This, the, the Charlotte shooting, which we have some video, this, this happened today. This is the cell phone mm -hmm. yeah. tape of the guy's wife who was shot. We don't need to show it. I guess. He doesn't have a gun. He has a TBI. He's not going to do anything to you guys. Keith, don't you do it. Did you shoot him? He better not be dead. Okay, we don't know whether he had a gun. But even if he did, you don't have to kill every time somebody does something that makes you nervous. We have to train our police to not be that guy yeah. Yeah. who just empties the clip. And you know, if, if I was the police academy, I would say, wait till later in the encounter before you shoot. Right. They seem to be teaching shoot first thing in the encounter. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I think the truth here is that we actually have police who have been better trained in parts of the country. And the, the reality here is that it seems in, in all of these instances, when we have African-American man after African-American man after African-American man killed by police, what's happening is there's a moment, and in that moment, the police officer just assumes the African-American man is a threat. And we have to get the training that does exist elsewhere to say that African-American man is not necessarily a threat. It's a human. get a lot of use of force training. The african is a threat. Mm -hmm. Now notice notice the the labeling that was used. And that was Beer Moore and uh Beer Beer Meyer and and this idea of you know white people being racist, cops being racist. I mean this idea of um you know black people being a threat. I mean in the in the idea of cops being in fear. Well, can I say what they didn't mm -hmm. show in that clip is uh, if you're from Oklahoma, you know about the incident we're mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. But the helicopter pilot that was on duty, mm -hmm. he radioed down there and says, looks like we have a very bad dude. Absolutely. Without even knowing anything about Absolutely. the situation, he already labeled him a bad dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just real quick, um, Bill Maher talked about police training. And I know you guys didn't want to talk about the health care mm -hmm. bill, excuse me. But <clears throat> what's not getting talked about is a trillion dollars is going to be moved from the 40% tax cuts to the uh, to the 2%. Now, you think about, he talked about uh, police training. Now, you take a trillion-dollar tax cut. People, it's amazing to me that people in the 21st century 
don't realize how important taxes are because mm-hmm. they do go for <laughs> police training for emergency services and you know i don't know i'm just baffled that, yeah. yeah i'll just say that but continue no 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 i mean you 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 you're exactly right i mean uh, some of these the economics of it all leverages policy leverages even how we interact with one another based upon the resources that are given to certain agencies and you know what let me just say this this is a problem i I don't know if you've had a chance and i i just saw it charles barkley is doing this race in america thing that's on tnt i don't know if you saw it i haven't seen it okay i've seen the commercial now let me just say this i am not (laughs) a charles barkley fan when it comes to race, when it comes this. to sociological issues, Charles was, fa- Charles was famous for saying, I'm not a role model. Charles was famous for, for calling folks in Ferguson, you know, scumbags. Uh, let me say this. I'm going to encourage you to watch this for one reason only. In the end of the first episode, matter of fact, he's in Baltimore, right? Man, Baltimore, man, my God. If you're living in Baltimore, man, I got, I got much love for you because I'm telling you, Baltimore is a, is a city that, man, you talk about poverty. Mm. Man, it, watch it for that, but also watch it for the for – the, he does a town hall meeting, which, man, let me tell you what they do to him. They serve him. Sir Charge got served doing that town hall meeting. They let him know exactly how they felt about him, how they felt about what was going on in Baltimore. You heard the anger. You heard the let – me, let me just say this. And, and if you are a, a police officer – well, hold on. Let me, let me back up here for a minute. Let me say this. If you're afraid to go to outer space, don't be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. Because you're supposed to go to outer space. Yes. Can't be afraid of heights. Okay. If you're afraid to go inside somebody's house, if you're afraid that somebody might pull out a gun on you, if you're afraid to deal with domestic issues, and the list goes on and on, do not be a police officer. I can't be a police officer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in shot you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just... I don't have it in me. I, I can't decipher through. Mike, what are you saying? Man, bam, you gone. Ouch. Okay, I'm just being honest. That's why I'm not a police officer, because I don't have that in me. I know that, right? Listen, Mr. Officer of the law, if you're afraid, you're in the wrong job. There are many jobs out for you to be. I don't know. Sweep the streets. I don't know. Do something. Pick up trash. Landscape. You ain't got to interact with people. That's what I'm trying to say. It was a law. (laughs) Well, I'll say this. Being in the military and served in Iraq, I think it's okay to be afraid because fear. But if you're afraid to handle a certain situation, then you shouldn't be a police. I think there's a difference between fear and then not knowing how to handle your fear. And plus, also, why are you signing up to be a police officer? Is it to really help your community, you know, to help? I mean, that's a very, or is it just like, hey, question. well, I, let me let me let me say this. The lady in Tulsa said that, and you're right. The helicopter said that's a bad dude. Labeled him right. Okay. Now that's primary labeling. The lady said she was in fear of her life. Right. There is a difference between, as a basketball player, as an athlete, you got these things in your stomach before you get on the court. 
right? But once you get out there, you handle it. You manage it, right? There, there's, there, 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 it's, it's, it's a certain nervousness, right? Because it's high stakes, right? But there's no fear. I don't think an athlete gets up to run. You, you were, you were a, 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 an All-American. National champion. You didn't get up to the shaking like, oh, my God, I got to run. I'm, oh, Lord, help me. You know, <laughs> you didn't get up. Man, you, you had this thing in your stomach like, you know what? Man, I got to get off this thing like I need to, right? Right, right. There was no fear. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. When you are, listen, when you are in fear, you are paralyzed. You can't think straight, right? You can't react properly if you are afraid, and so what I'm saying is, you know, agencies have to do a better job saying, no, 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 no. You, you too fearful. <laughs> you too afraid. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do this job. You know, you boom, you jump, you know, right. bam, you know, already shot yourself in the leg. No, no, no. That, that's, not, that's not happening. And for an officer to sit up and say to me, I was afraid. Okay. Well, not only did she say she was afraid, but she said she was afraid with the helicopter flying overhead. There was like two or three of her partners backing her up. Oh, multiple multiple like, factors. Huh? You, had, you had everything. She had all the support she needed, but she was afraid. And again, I, I, and you've heard that. And even the guy in South Carolina said, I was afraid. When the guy was, man, how you going to run away from you? DT, you done hit me up the side of the head about three, four times, right? I'm running from you. Pop, pop, pop. And you like, look, man, I'm afraid of Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I think that's a I think that's a talking point that, Bro, I got knots on the back of my right. head, right? You talking about you I'm afraid of me. One, right? But see, I think that's talking points that defense lawyers cause you really can't say what's inside a person's head. Oh yeah. yeah you know what I'm saying? So like they could say, right. Oh, well, I was afraid. Well, that's subjective, right? How can you prove you were or weren't? So to me, it's just hard to believe. You're One, it goes back to training. So if you're afraid in that situation, mm-hmm. so what? You wasn't yeah. tra- you wasn't trained in that situation. Well, you're or- afraid or not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. Whether you're not so- trained or not in that situation, I don't know about you. I think you. going back to his regular, I mean, the, the question of uh, you know why did the officer decide to be an officer in the first place? You know, and Mike, like mm-hmm. you talked about the screening process. If your uh, definition is, you know, I just, I just feel like, you know, this is something that's very needed mm-hmm. in my community. I want to help people. What does that mean to you, dude? You yeah. know, because otherwise, you're going to be out there in one of those situations you're not ready for, and that fear or whatever is inside of you that doesn't prepare you for that situation, going to cause you to do something that, you know, end up having us uh, one less out here. And 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 you're so right. And 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 the idea that we have labeled people as being threats, as being predators, as being dangerous, right? Oh, look, 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 look! As 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 Trevor Martin with the hood with the hoodie on, that's a thug. So when you start from that from that, I guess that level, it's al- it's already at a dangerous situation, right? Um, folks, I mean, and even the symbolism of being a police officer, we're already giving them too much credit because that uniform symbolized so much more than what that person may be capable of. Hey, watch that! Watch that documentary. You know what they showed? The cops went out, and and they went out in the community with Charles Barkley, and when the cops pull up, everybody scattered. I don't know about you, but I can honestly say, when I see a cop pull up, what do, what do you do? I go the I go the opposite direction. I say, "Hey, officer! <laughs> hey, officer Jim! How are you Good doing? Good morning! 
Get your slingshot. I don't think so. First thing, I, first thing I do, I put I always. Can I point you in the direction of any crimes? <laughs> I always put my hands outside the window. So, and then I usually keep my wallet in my. Well, you know, those in my things pocket. aren't working anymore. You know, like you can still find yourself. You know, yeah, Philando Castile. Minnesota. So whenever officer hands approaches, hands up, hands out, hands off. It don't matter. Always <laughs> oh, ask, hey, can I? I'm going to reach. I have my wallet in my pants mm-hmm, pocket. Mm-hmm. Do I have your permission to reach for it? Yeah. And then I hold my left hand outside mm-hmm. the window, and wow, I make you shot know, that well. Hand. But you know what? I I want to I want to I want to I I, I I want to talk about what you just said. Do I have your permission, folks? Mm-hmm. We're gonna take a break, and we will be right back. Hey, this is your boy Frog. I'm here with Chris, Justin, and Philip, and we host Turn on the Game, the podcast. The show consists of four men commentating on the sports world. It's strictly opinion show. It's as if you were sitting on the couch watching a game with your boys. And you can follow us on Twitter at Turn on the underscore game. You can hit us up on our Facebook page at Turn on the Game, and you can even follow us on Instagram at Turn on the Game. Or you can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher by searching Turn on the Game. You can email us at Turn on the Game, the number four at gmail.com. Turn on the Game is sponsored by Blackened Studios, Oklahoma City's premier podcasting studio. Turn on. everyone this is roxy davis and this is deborah burris and we are the roxy by design show our show is designed to bring healing as we share our stories while god redesign our lives so take a ride with us so you can find us at podbean itunes facebook and twitter and blackandstudios.com so thank you everyone for listening to the roxy by design show you have a blessed day we love you Welcome back. <laughs> and I just want to—I just want to say something real quick. <laughs> now you go try to clean this up. No, right no, quick. No, I just want to say that. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. And clean I think it up. It's, since we're talking about labeling, we lie, baby. We lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know many police officers. I think we should also acknowledge that not all police officers are bad. There's actually some police officers who actually try to do good for their community. So, for example, after um, Philando Castile got shot mm-hmm. in Minnesota, there's a an African-American woman police officer from Ohio. I don't know if you all saw the video on YouTube. You could probably look it up. But, you know, she got on there and she was pleading to her fellow police officers, you know, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. And she said, the reason said she joined because she grew up in poverty. And she said, I wanted to make a difference in my community. But it's real hard to do when you have, you know, situations like uh, uh, Philando Castile or even Walter Scott. Mm-hmm. So uh, since we're talking about labeling, you know, I think we have to be conscious that we can't label people of, you know, a certain thing. All of them are this or all of mm-hmm. them are that. Mm-hmm. But I think there is like a lack of training. And I think the labeling of uh, certain communities um, already creates a dangerous environment. Just saying, oh, we're going to the ghetto or we're going to this part of town. Right. Well, you know, what I will say is. The whole uh, world is a ghetto. Yeah. yeah. What, what I will say is I agree with you. And then I will say is you on one mic, one voice, right? <laughs> uh, let, let me say this, okay? Um, this is the problem I have with the argument that all cops are not bad. You know what? I would not generalize anything to any population, right? I mean, I, that's just wrong. I mean, and it's ignorant, right? It's, it's not provable, right? However, what I will say about police officers, 
where are where are the good ones? Exactly. So so I'm saying if you if you're if you're a good police officer and you're doing something, come on the show, talk about it on the show because I don't see you. I'm sorry. You know what? It's also kind of tough, Mike, because even you're asking like where are the good cops. You know, we see videos of uh, police officers going to stopping people, and it's like a, a prank. Just wanted to give you a flower. Want to know, give just, you an ice cream. Just wanted to show Some you lactose my, my appreciation and gratitude type deal. But even those situations are corny to us. It's like, man, why are police officers out here doing that type of stuff? You know, wasting people's time trying to prove a point or trying to show that they're in some way um, – well, you know, I, empathetic to what's really happening out here. We all know about the Jordan Evans case, right? The 15-year-old mm-hmm. young man. Now, what's interesting, on your point, Mike, every one of those police officers on the scene lied and said the car was in reverse or either was either in reverse and headed towards them or they put it in forward. Mm-hmm. So the the problem is is we have to break that, you know, what they call the blue shield of silence. You know, if you're a good police officer, then why are you, you should be like, hey, no, my partner, blah, 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 what he said was a lie. This is what really happened. Yeah. So it, I think it's just a tough situation all around. But Well, it's, 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 it speaks to the culture, too. Exactly. You know, I mean, the policing culture, it is a fraternity. There is a lot of pressure on good officers. I mean, if you speak out, your career could be over like that. I get that. But I can't sit back and say that there are good officers out there when they're not standing up against the atrocities that are happening in our black and brown communities. Once I see that, I'll give you respect. Until that, you're, 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 not, you're not helping the situation. You're hurting the situation. And, you know, so, so this labeling thing here, when we talk about labeling, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the primary, you know, labeling is simply, you know, saying – you know, that the person is, the person is, you know, a deviant, right? Okay, a person is a criminal, a person is a loser, a person is a predator. Um, but the secondary is when the person begins to not only internalize that, but then act upon that, right? Mm-hmm. To believe that. You know, it's like the person that believes that I'm inferior, right? And so then... What do they do? They don't go to school. They drop out. They, you know, they don't. They, they begin to act out that behavior. The person that has no self-worth. You'll never be anything. You know, you won't amount to nothing. Your mother was nothing, right? And then all of a sudden, the person feels, you know, like they're nothing, right? And they're, they're, they're caught up in prostitution. They're caught up in these things because they don't value their own self. The, the, you know, the secondary I mean, and that's what and that's what we see nowadays. That people are, it, it, as we as as the labeling theory talks about this self fulfilling prophecy. Well, I think you know, uh, to that point, if you look at our prison system now, mm. most of our prison systems are privatized, right? Mm. So, what's the goal of those companies? It's not rehabilitating the prisoners; it's to make money. But what? how do you how do you make money? Right? Mm. You need prisoners to make money. So then what, in order to make prisoners, you need criminals. You need judges to say, hey, this kid, you just you get, <clears throat> I can't believe you how many times, you know, I get on Facebook or Twitter and a judge has been busted for, you know, because he's been helping a private prison company send, 
you know, guy like mm-hmm. you know steals a steals a pairs of sneakers, and the judge gives him like twenty to life, yeah, or wh- whatever the situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty, <laughs> you know, pretty harsh. And we we yeah. saw maybe, maybe those those uh, uh, what is those those new balls out? Well, there. Oh, yeah. Balls, well, I, I read uh, balls. in Louisiana. There's a there was a case recently. This a kid got busted for eighteen grams of marijuana, got eighteen years in prison. Wow. And and it, and his court made it all the way up to the Louisiana State Supreme Court, and of course they turned down, they shut down his. Uh, his appeals, but the head of the Louisiana Supreme Court in the dissent is pretty much was like, "This is so ridiculous. What, what are we teaching? Or like, what's the value of sending somebody eighteen years for eighteen yeah. grams?" Yeah. yeah, And I think we were talking before the show about the Shawshank Redemption and talking mm-hmm. about Andy Dufresne when he's with uh, Red, you know, building that library, and Andy Dufresne's like, you know, on the outside I was straight as an arrow. Mm-hmm. It took me coming to prison to learn to be a criminal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, once a person is labeled a deviant, it is extremely difficult to remove that label. Mm-hmm. The deviant person becomes stigmatized as a criminal or deviant and is likely to be considered and treated as untrustworthy by others. And what do they do? They do that thing. They play out the part of the labeling. I mean, isn't that, that's so dangerous in our society, right? But I think that goes back back to power cuz like as i tell people you look at the laws who's making the laws right now in mm-hmm. congress mm-hmm. it's rich white men right mm-hmm. so who are laws going to favor <laughs> rich yeah. white men i mean yeah. it's to i mean i don't know to me it's pretty simple but people keep voting for these same guys do you know like the top 10 states let's say this house bill the health care bill let's say if it's the senate passes it right the top 10 states that will be affected by this health care bill is what we call red states, mm-hmm. people that voted for Donald Trump. And there was a guy in Kentucky, I saw an article, they interviewed him, and they was like, you know, your health care is going to be taken away. And they still said he would vote for Trump again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, to me, that's insanity. Yeah, definitely the exact definition of that. The most powerful and dominant groups in our society create and apply deviant labels That's right. to the supporting groups, mm-hmm. subordinate groups. The most powerful. Mm-hmm. It's not you and me. It's those in power. Mm-hmm. And this is what we have to understand, folks. Those in power, okay, attach the labels. And then they make policies. I mean, we, you can go back to uh, Richard Nixon, right? The war on Drugs, right? Okay, Richard Nixon said we're going to eradicate drugs. It was a it was an attack on hippies and black people, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's go to let's go to Ronald Reagan, <laughs> right? Uh, cocaine, one of my favorites. Okay, crack, crack cocaine, crack cocaine. Okay, what was that attack? That was attack on black and brown people. What we have to understand is that those in power create who is deviant. And once you are labeled that, it is so difficult. We can go back to slavery times. When you were considered free, you were still black. You were a second-class citizen, right? You were not considered intelligent. You couldn't go to school with white folks. You couldn't even learn to read. You couldn't even, against the law. And then you had... Convict leasing. And then you had Jim Crowism, where you had to sit in the back. That's another label. 
You have to sit in the back. Separate, You're not worthy. Separate but equal. Separate but equal. Redlining. Okay. Redlining when it comes to who's going to give you a loan. If you live in this area, Mike, guess what? We, we talked about that. We talked about that. Go back and look at our podcast, Who Created the Ghetto. We talked about that. Redlining. Listen, folks, labeling is killing us as a society, and it is a big lie. That's the problem. You know, when the I'm reading this book about uh, this immigration, and I have it right here called Impossible Subjects. But in the late 19th century, uh, Asian people, some Asian people, they weren't even deemed to be racial, uh, to be racially. Uh, they couldn't. They wasn't even deemed that they were racial, where they couldn't even be immigrants. Right? They was like, "You're you're not even human to be immigrants," just because they were Asians. And it's called the Asiatic uh, Bard Zones. So if you if you was Asian, you couldn't be natural naturalized because you wasn't even considered like a, a racially proper person. Mm-hmm. In fact, even then, even in the early nineteen, we have the word alien in the language to describe. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> alien. Even in the early nineteen hundreds, Mexicans were considered white people because that's when we expanded westward. Absolutely. And in fact, it wasn't until the nineteen twenties when the border patrol was uh, created, but they didn't have a job, so. So they was like, well, what do we do? Mm-hmm. We'll just start arresting people. And so like, oh, we cr- yeah. so it's the people in power mm-hmm. that create these institutions and organizations. In fact, we all know how how the uh, police the police started, right? They were slave catchers. Yeah. yeah. So that is for, so for two three hundred years, this mentality has been built into our into our system into our psyche. Yeah. So now like that's why we have like oh the Jewish conspiracy right? The Jews are taking over the world. Or Asians, you know, Asians are good at dry cleaning or yeah. whatever. And I apologize. Oh, I apologize no, no. to all my Asians. You know what I'm saying? I don't but, want to. but that's the truth. That's how they have been labeled, right? Yeah. You you understand what I'm saying? Or doing nails. or doing, yeah. That's how they have been labeled. Or they're supposed to be smart. They need a 4.8 in it, college, it, right? It, exactly. Folks, listen. We about to wind this show down. We, you know what? We're in the, we're in the show with, uh, with, with Moses, Moses Dupre. Oh uh, man, we are having a great time. Scholar, Hope you're learning philosopher. something. Scholar, the, philosopher. theologian, theologian, biblical scholar. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, listen, hang in there. We got a few more minutes. We're gonna come back and wrap this up. There's a positive side to this. We're gonna hit on that. We will be right back. This is DT of the One Mic One Voice podcast. Just want to let you guys know you can go over to iTunes and search us at One Mic, One Voice, and be sure to rate and review our episodes. Let us know about any feedback that you have and what you enjoy about the episodes. Also, you can go over to Stitcher where you can get the latest and freshest episodes of our podcast streamed directly to your smartphone or iPad. No downloading or syncing. How cool. Real smooth. Also, we'd just like to take the time to thank you for your time and for your energy and for spending time with us as we discuss the historical record of our time. This is Richard Taplin, host of the Black Box Podcast. Wanted to tell you, thanks again for listening to the One Mic, One Voice. Please be sure to check out their Facebook page, One Mic, One Voice Podcast. And while you're on Facebook, go ahead and stop by Blackened Studios. Also, check out our website, blackenedstudios.com, to find all the podcasts that record here, including the One Mic, One Voice Show, the Black Box, the Elijah Bailey Show, the Roxy by Design Show, and also the Gamer Stand Podcast. Thanks again for all of your support, and remember, it's Blackhead.
Welcome back, folks. Hey, we having a great, great, great time. Hold on, man. I want to back up here for a minute because the last show we had, man, in the studio with us was Jamie Pettis and Lauren Phillips. Right. How was that, bro? I mean, I don't want to go into the whole uh, possession thing like you do. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say uh, really short and sweet that Jamie and Lauren are two very magnificent individuals. Uh, yeah, very talented, very beautiful, um, and we love what they bring here to the one mic, one voice. We do, but I think. Now, what Jay- do you want to say? But I just think, <laughs> I think, I think Jamie kind of liked me a little bit more, though. Like I'm you, just saying, just just a little I bit mean, more. I mean, what do you man. mean? What is like to you? That's a label. What do you think, Richard? Oh, he said Lauren likes him more. See, man, that, that I mean, ain't. What do you guys mean by like? Man, I mean she just, like your pictures on Facebook. So what do you mean? Personality yeah, personality, likes your personality man. I just, more. I just think you know. I think she. I just think. I just think me and Jamie. You know, we like bam on the same page. Like. Jamie, Lauren, if you're listening, please. <laughs> I think I, now. I think she likes Richard's beard Settle the more. score. Let these individuals know what exactly is going on because we don't know. I mean, we don't know. I, I just, I, I just enjoy your company. It's like, but I tell you what, it the was vibe great, is right when y'all here. It was here. a great show. Hey, the after party was excellent. Uh, after we, you know, we went out, man, had a couple cigars. It was wonderful. Uh, I, I can just say, man, two very intelligent, talented, classy people, man. That if you, if if you are fortunate enough to call them friends, like we are, you're blessed. The wolf and the hawk. The wolf and the hawk. You bless. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And in the in the painting she did of us, oh, it's just man. We we can't even oh, talk about that, man. man. Off the change. Change. Yeah, I mean it's just. Or would it? Or would it be off the easel since she's a painter? Off the easel. Off the easels. Okay, Moses. We off the easel. Uh, it, it's she did a, a brilliant job, man, and we're looking forward to bringing that to you. Um, we talked a little bit about this secondary labeling, how in fact it's a self fulfilling prophecy, and you know um, what? What I want to say is that you know all of us, DT. This is where we have to kind of do this Self-check. introspective, mm-hmm. exactly. And say, how am I labeling people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. Tomorrow, let's just say when you walk into your place of work or a meeting, how are you labeling people? How are you looking at people? You know, is this, mm-hmm. man, this dude is pompous or, you know, this dude, yeah, he's privileged and, you know, this dude is dumb. I mean, how are you labeling people? Are you truly getting to know people? We need to get get to know people before we ascertain who and what they are. You know, this is where my, my philosophy, since I'm a biblical scholar, comes in. So in the Bible, a lot of people think it's just a religious text. But from the Juda- Judaism perspective, it is a religious text, but it can also be uh, a life text, a re- you know, a ph- philosophical text. Like, should we, like in Samuel talks about, should we have an earthly ruler or, should we, you know, God, you know, rule, etc. But what's fascinating in the Bible, the role that mills play in the Bible. So if we look at First uh, Kings four twenty, you know, it says Solomon was sovereign all over Judah, Israel, and then they ate, drank, were merry. We have the Gospel of Luke, uh, 
before Jesus, Jesus is looking for his disciples. He finds Levi, calls Levi. Levi throws a big banquet for him. And then uh, G- then he calls the rest of his disciples, meaning that after that meal, that meal helped, helped heal and unify community. So I work at the Oklahoma City Zoo. So one of my philosophies is now is that I always try to buy somebody lunch. I don't know. I try to buy them lunch. Because to me, what meals represent and, you know, uh, Growing up in the African community, going to churches, y'all know how important Sunday meal is and mm-hmm. and potluck. Mm-hmm. But to me, meals also help, you know, like try to bring people together where you might. Uh, so I tell people, hey, today, go buy somebody lunch you don't know mm-hmm. and get to know them. Because you might think, oh, this person, you know, he's from the backwoods of Oklahoma. He's just a redneck. I bet he's a Trump supporter or 45 mm-hmm. supporter. Mm-hmm. Or what, but, you know. Yeah, he still owes us. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But to me, so it's like, you know, I always try to buy people lunch or because to me, breaking bread with somebody can be a very powerful, powerful moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just to get to know somebody and be like, okay, because everybody likes food, right? I mean, yeah. if, food, if food becomes, well, I guess it is kind of political with Michelle Obama's like lunch program now. But yeah. but still, man, so like if you're listening, how about tomorrow? Go go meet somebody you don't know and buy them lunch. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, the idea of communing with someone, humanity, dining with someone. I hate to eat alone. I'll be honest with you. That's just one of my uh, pet peeves to break bread by myself because it, it is an intimate experience, right? It's a time of sharing, very openness. I mean, Bro, this show wouldn't this show wouldn't even exist if we didn't mm-hmm. break bread. I mean, how many times did we break bread at lunch, man? And just I would have made the show happen anyway, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and but how many times serious. did we commune mm-hmm. and have conversation mm-hmm. and really get to know one another? And that's so true. Because I think, folks, we have to understand that we all label people. No one under my breath can sit up here and say, I don't label anybody. Okay, even if you say I don't see color, you labeling. I can't. I, I hate that remark when people say I don't see. I, color. I don't see color. Like, yeah, you do. Stop it. That that's 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 an that that is a label in itself. Or I'm not racist. Well, another pet pet. Might be. I'm not racist. Blind Thomas. You know, I can tell you if you say I'm not racist, yeah. that's a racist statement in it itself. It is. It's a, it's a racist statement in itself. We all label each other. I know. You know, I I I have to say, in the age of forty five. It's hard for me to look at a forty-five supporter, forty-five, and, and not and, and you not fall into a category for me. So what I try to do is to understand that you're more than a simple vote, that you are a human being with depth and with knowledge and with capability. Um, I try to I try to do that. Do you think forty-five's favorite drink is Colt forty-five? No. <laughs> No, I just threw it out. Me, just, no, no, no. I think he he probably man. Don't let me trip because I, I got some, I got. See, if I say something, I'm offend Mike, somebody. Mike, keep it keep it positive. You know, but there, the, me and Richard was talking. Maybe his favorite drink is uh, Old Rasputin, <laughs> which is a Russian stout, which I happen to like actually. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't. You I'm know, just he, being you silly. Know, he probably drink uh, you know Don Perignon. Probably out of a plastic cup. Plastic (laughs) cup. Hey, folks, listen. We have this video, and I want you to listen to this video because this is where we're trying to get to. Take it in. You know, one mic, one voice. 
we talk about racial issues. We talk about cultural issues, society, so society issues. We talk about those. But really, at the end of all days, we want to get to the point where we are one. I am not black. I mean, that's what the world calls me, but it's not me. I didn't come out of my mother's womb saying, hey, everybody, I'm black. No, I was taught to be black. And you were taught to call me that, along with whatever you call yourself. It's just a label. See, from birth, the world force feeds us these labels. And eventually, we all swallow them. We digest and accept the labels, never, ever doubting them. But there's one problem. Labels are not you and labels are not me. Labels are just labels. But who we truly are is not skin deep. See, when I drive my car, no one would ever confuse the car for me. Well, when I drive my body, why do you confuse me for my body? It's my body. Get it? Not me. Let me break it down. See, our bodies are just cars that we operate and drive around. The dealership we call society decided to label mine the black edition, yours the Irish or white edition. And with no money down, 0% APR and no test drive, we were forced to own these cars for the rest of our lives. Forgive me, but I fail to see the logic or pride in defining myself or judging another by the cars we drive. Because who we truly are is found inside. Listen, I'm not here to tell you how science has concluded that genetically we're all mixed and race in the human species doesn't exist or how every historian knows that race was invented in the 15th century to divide people from each other and it has worked perfectly. No, I'm not here to lecture. I just want to ask one question. Who would you be if the world never gave you a label? Never gave you a box to check? Would you be white, black, Mexican, Asian, Native American, Middle Eastern, Indian? No, we would be one. We would be together. No longer living in the era of calling human beings black people or white people. These labels that will forever blind us from seeing a person for who they are, but instead seeing them through the judgmental, prejudicial, artificial filters of who we think they are. And when you let an artificial label define yourself, then my friend, you have chosen smallness over greatness and minimized yourself, confined and divided yourself from others. And it is an undeniable fact that where there is division, there will be conflict and conflict starts wars. Therefore, every war has started over labels. It's always us versus them. So the answer to war, racism, sexism, and every other ism is so simple that every politician has missed it. It's the labels. We must rip them off. Isn't it funny how no baby is born racist, yet every baby cries when they hear the cries of another, no matter the gender, culture, or color, proving that deep down we were meant to connect and care for each other. That is our mission, and that is not my opinion. That is the truth in a world that has sold us fiction. Please listen, labels only distort our vision, which is why half of those watching this will dismiss it or feel resistance and conflicted, but just remember, so did the caterpillar. 
before it broke through its shell and became the magnificent butterfly. Well, these labels are our shells, and we must do the same thing so we can finally spread our wings. Human beings were not meant to be slapped with labels like groceries and supermarkets. DNA cannot be regulated by the FDA. We were meant to be free, and only until we remove them all and stop living and thinking so small will we be free to see ourselves and each other for who we truly are. Who would you be if the world never gave you a label? (laughs) That's the question. Who would we be? I mean, think about that for a minute. Minus the black American, Jewish American, white American, Asian American, Latino American. What about if you were just Moses and you were just Deshaun? I was just Michael. You were just Richard. How would the world be if we were just simply who we are? Can I just say something real quick? It's also interesting when you try to, when you break that label, let's say like Martin Luther King Jr., right? When he tried to raise above what, let's say, white America labeled him, he was still labeled a terrorist, right? So I still think when even when you try to come out of your labels, it's almost like crabs in the bucket. People still want to kind of pull you down because, oh, he doesn't fit my label, so he must be this or that, right? So they still label. So I just think that, thinking about that today, I just think that's an interesting dynamic, that even when you try to uh, shatter society's labels, you still get labeled. I mean, there are so many pressures in trying to fit anybody's um, perspective of who you who you are. You know, uh, if you're not able to define that or control that for yourself, then you're already behind. Uh, like Mike said, you know, who I mean, who would we be if if we could only just be who we are? You know, uh, it took us back to a question he asked last podcast about will you ever reach your potential? You know, if I asked you that question right now, what would you say to yourself? And what barriers or labels or definitions or ways of defining have kept you from being that person or is blocking you from reaching that potential that is is in you already? Every hero needs a villain. The reality is, is that throughout American history, we have those who are heroes and those who are villains. Labeling is based upon that. We have to create villains in order for us to keep the status quo growing. Folks, we are in the 21st century where we have, we have the Internet. We have a web of knowledge before us. We have colleges. We have intellectuals. We have scholars We still have libraries, too. We have libraries. We have everything at our hands. Yet, yet, we are archaic in our thinking. I want to encourage you to dismiss the labels, to look at individuals for who they are and what they are, to get to know them, the stereotypical way of looking at anyone is a failure on your part, not on their part. 
Now, also, I would also suggest that since I I went to seminary, so I know a lot. If you if you're a Christian, take a visit down to Temple B'nai Israel or Emmanuel Synagogue or the local mosque, or if you're a Jew, visit a local church that might be more accepting. Let's say because not all churches are accepting, but just reach out to your community and hey, you know, how can I help you guys out? Go buy some. Like I said, go buy somebody lunch. Because to me, that's one of the easiest way to get to know somebody and tear down labels is participate in their community. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to get back to what I told you I wanted to get back to when you said about permission. We have permission to tear down these labels. That's right. We have, we, we have permission. We have every right just because it is out there, just because it is sanctioned by the federal government or by the state or by the census, doesn't mean that we do not have permission on our own level to change that. Because remember, folks, history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time, and what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our life. All we gotta do is work together. Gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice, your choice. Today's broadcast is being brought to you by Black and Studios. To learn more about Black and Studios, please visit them at blackandstudios.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Black and Studios. Today's broadcast is also being brought to you by Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. To learn more about Perry Publishing and Broadcasting, please visit their website at perrypublishingandbroadcasting.net. The opinions of the One Might One Voice show do not reflect the views of Black and Studios or Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. Thank you for downloading the One Might One Voice show. This is Chad Reynolds, poet, publisher. Listen to One Mic, One Voice like I do. You won't regret it.